right? It's one of my major missions in, in life is to make sure that the truth is out there. So you need to see this kind of crap that's out there. Huff Post, Canada. Don't take your baby to the chiropractor. Top doctor warned parents. This is from Canada's chiropractor. Say there are, there are health benefits, so at least there's something positive there. But if you read this ridiculous article, you will see what's happening because this all started in Australia. <clears throat> a number of years ago in Australia, unfortunately, there was a chiropractor, uh, quite a good chiropractor actually, In I think it was in this particular video, there was a chiropractor who was shown adjusting a baby and when he adjusted this, ba this baby, which I think was this video here, uh, when he adjusted this baby, um, it actually made a quite a loud sound. Uh, it was a thoracic adjustment. Um, and the baby cried a little bit during that particular video. But from that point on, from that point on, when the video went on the airways and YouTube in Australia, did, even though the parents after that adjustment said, we are so super thankful for this chiropractor doing this because the little child was having problems nursing and having all these tummy aches and whatever, and now the child is fine. Even though the parents said that, that's not what the media found. Right? The media found that, this, look at this chiropractor, just this baby, and the baby's crying. Right? So ever since then, uh, uh, Dr. Jeannie was, uh, sent out this uh, tweet uh, the other day. Um, ever since then, the Australian uh, Chiropractic Association and the English Chiropractic Association are on a witch hunt against pediatric chiropractic. Right? Which really saddens me because there is nothing better in the whole world for a child than good pediatric chiropractic. There's nothing better in the whole world, right? There's nothing better for that, what's her name again? Colette. Colette. There's nothing better for little baby Colette there who's a month old, right? There's nothing better for that little girl than to get adjusted. But for, for HuffPost to say, don't take your baby to the chiropractor, talk doctors warn. And this, is, this isn't from a couple of years ago, this is from a couple of days ago, right? This is from 3-23-18, right? So this is recent stuff. They're trying every way they can to not have us adjust kids, right? They, insurance companies call me adjusting children experimental investigational. Experimental investigational. I'll tell you what's experimental investigational. Using Ritalin and then Concerta and then Adderall and then Vyvanse, that's experimental investigational, right? What I do is not experimental or investigational. What I do works, right? And that's the point of this class, is to teach you what works. What works for the kids, because I've been doing this now 29 years. Amazing to think, 29, next year will be 30 years, me being in practice, uh, me graduating from this school. Um, and I want to teach you what works, because I've seen it, right? I've been around the block, and I've seen what works, and I want to share that with you. Uh, and <clears throat> One of the key components, like one of the, the biggest reasons that they, if you read this thing that they talk about, one of the biggest things that they're concerned about is the forceful adjusting of children, right? And as I mentioned in uh, the lab class, the, my Thursday lab class, what I mentioned in lab is that adjusting a child is not like adjusting a little adult. And this is where chiropractors have gotten in trouble over the years. We've gotten in trouble because we just take what we do on a, a bigger person and make believe it's just a littler person and just use littler forces. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. Chiropractic on a baby or on a small child is a very different thing. 
It's a very different thing. Yes? When do you start addressing the child as if they were an adult? What age usually? You know, that's a great question. Uh, the question is, when can you start adjusting a child as if it is an adult? And it really depends on the kid, right? Uh, some kids never. Uh, we have some, uh, you know, autistic uh, older kids that I still adjust them like they're little babies, right? That are, uh, you know, relatively nonverbal, you know, children. So I'm not treating them as if they were an adult because they're actually not acting like an adult, right? So that's an important thing. So I don't want to just give you a number and say, well, by the time they're 13, then they should be an adult. Well, yeah, when they're 13, 14 or so, when they're in high school, I'm usually used, uh, you know, for the, the neurotypical child, that child is now going to be getting much more of an adult sort of adjustment. The, but the key is the neurotypical child, right? The child who's not neurotypical, which means they have ASD, autistic spectrum disorder, or they have some other kind of issues going on, or there's some other sort of, metabolic genetic thingies happening, I may never adjust them like an adult. But that's a very good, you know, that's a very good question. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is the cranium, the infant cranium. And I want you, the reason I'm going to talk about this right now in the way I'm going to talk about it is I want you guys to get the respect for this thing, right? So what I'm holding in my hands is an infant cranium, right? This is a newborn size cranium. This is small. Right? This is really, really small. It is about the size of a baseball, not a softball, a baseball. Right? This is a very small little head. So when we are working on a child this size, I want you to imagine how dainty this is and how, like, when, if you do a much more traditional adjustment, like I see some people, they just go, you know, with these children. When I see those sorts of adjustments, what I'm thinking is, that person is not understanding the relationship between that child's spine at that age and what those forces can do. Not that they're going to hurt the person, because I'm really not concerned about that, right? And you can say, oh, there's been some, yeah, there's always been some blah, 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 right? There's always something crazy that can happen, absolutely. I'm not really worried about that. What I'm really worried about is, is does the person understand, the, the chiropractor understand the relationship between what they're doing and how their nervous system is going to respond, right? Because you and I can take to that adjustment very differently than someone who's an itty bitty little baby and not used to that sort of explosive force into their spine, right? Webster used to say all the time, this is one of his favorite sayings, he used to say this every class, he used to say, if you could do the same thing with less force, why not, right? If you do the same thing with less force, why not? That's what his whole thesis was about, is using a lot less force to produce the same results. So if you look at a little baby's cranium like this, and you see how, first of all, how marvelously intricate it is, but how tiny it really is. I mean, the sphenoid is right here, and it's like, it's this itty-bitty little thing, right? And we need to have respect for this. I'm going to hand this around. I want you to feel this. Please don't drop this. It's $400. Um, <laughs> Just letting you know. Uh, I just want you to have the respect for that. And just to show you what this is like, I'm going to take this thing out right here. Now, does everybody know what this is right here? The this is the sphenoid bone, right? Right? And what does Dr. Holder say about the sphenoid bone? It's the same as the coccyx. Well, it's the same as the coccyx, but what is it? holds the pituitary gland. It does hold the pituitary gland, yes. But what he also says 
is that this used to be what they considered C1. And then they changed to make it the actual atlas bone instead of this, right? That's how important this is, right? But this is ginormous. If you look, this is like in you and me, right? This is the size of like you and me. It goes across our head. It's, it's this huge, ginormous thing. I had to tape this together because I couldn't figure out how to glue it together. This is a baby's sphenoid. Now, I want you to, <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to put these on top of each other like this. Do you see the difference? Right? Tell me, looking at this, that this is just this littler. That's not how it works. Right? That's not how it works. The, the adult sphenoid is a different animal than the baby sphenoid. Yes, it's bo they're both sphenoids. I agree. That's absolutely true. But it's not the same. So we don't treat it the same. The ossification centers aren't the same. The size isn't the same. The shape isn't completely the same. Right? Everything is going to change over the course of time. And we need to have respect for that. We need to have respect that this is not the same as this. And you just don't take the force that you use this to work with this and use it on this less. That's not how it works. Right? That's not how it works. And I also want you to understand <clears throat> what's super important about the sphenoid and why it's such a great bone is this, right? What is this? What junction is this? That, that's the sphenobasilar junction right here. This, why is that so important? Right, right. This is cranorhythmic impulse, right? This is the cranorhythmic impulse right here. What do you think happens when a little baby is born via C-section or a little baby is born with vacuum extraction or forceps delivery and they're not getting the correct pressures onto their skull as they're going through the birth canal, right? Either they're not getting them at all because there's a C-section or they're getting erroneous pressures because of forceps or vacuum. What is happening to this particular movement that's supposed to be you know, gyrating at 8 to 12 cycles per minute? What do you think happens to that? It's going to be dysfunctional, right? There is no surprises when we think about the number of kids that I see just in my practice alone who have colic and reflux and latching and nursing problems and ear infections and all these other things. There are no surprises. God bless you. There are no surprises that amoxicillin is the number one most prescribed drug uh, in children today because of how many ear infections. Of course they're having ear infections. They're not having proper drainage. There's no surprise that Prevacid and Pepsid are being thrown around like, like candy for little babies who are having all these colic and reflux problems. There's no surprises. Because what about this bone? Which bone's this? That's the temporal bone, right? It, did you ever look at the temporal bone and look at the temporal bone and how the temporal, how the temporal bone moves around the occiput? What else do you know that's not in nature moves like this, that has this sort of motion? This kind of backwards and forwards motion like this. What else that you know of might move like that? This is like a clock. You ever look inside of a watch and you see the gears inside of the watch that help turn the hours, right? This is what that is. This is a gear. The temporal bone is a gear. That's how it operates. If you actually watch how it moves inside the body, if you watch some video fluoroscopy, on it, it moves back and forth like this. It's like a gear that is putting in motion the occiput and the sphenoid that is touching, like this. And what do we talk about in my lab class today? What nerves are coming out of this temporal bone? Facial, facial, facial trigeminal, and parts of the vagus. 
coming out of this bone. Do you think this is important? Right? And they say over here, don't take your baby to the chiropractor. Well, who the hell is going to take care of their temporal bones? Right? Do you know what a lot of the people from other countries talk about when we talk about their cranium? And they say, oh, our grandmas used to do this, or they do it. What do they talk about? They massage the baby's heads, right? Right? Did your grandma say something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Where do they get that from? Right, exactly. Exactly. Ancient wisdom. That's right. Because they realized that, that they didn't have x-rays and video fluoroscopy to say, well, this temporal bone is really important because it houses the trigeminal and the facial and the vagus. They didn't know that. But they said, you know what? When we do this, what happens? Babies are happier. Right? When we touch the baby's heads, they're happier. Yet, it says over here, according to the esteemed authors of Huffington Post, it says, don't let your baby, don't take your baby to the chiropractor. Really? I, don't, I would like to debate this top doctor. You sit me down right here, right now. I challenge this dude, whoever this dude is. You come to Life University. You sit down. I don't even care. You come. We'll do a webinar. I don't care. I challenge you, just like to a duel. It's an old-fashioned duel. And I've done this a lot of times, and nobody's ever taken me up on this. But I challenge you, you bring me the research to show me why chiropractors shouldn't go, why kids shouldn't go to chiropractors. You bring it to me, you show it to me. I want to see it, right? And don't give me the malarkey, oh, oh, well, kids get injured when they get adjusted. Yeah, like they don't get injured when they go to a doctor, right? Like, give me a break. Let's start, th let's start taking spade for spade, right? So when I see the kids in my practice, because we are a trained pediatric office, we see amazing things happen in my practice. The research that I've done over the 29 years I've been in practice in the last 17, 18 years writing research papers every single year for years, those, that research shows how amazing it is. You see Dr. Alicantara's work from the ICPA, who is one of our, probably the, the profession is one of the main pediatric research we have out there. He wrote a paper back in 09 talking about the safety and effectiveness of pediatric chiropractic. And it shows how with thousands and thousands of adjustments, there are very, very little adverse reactions. And the only adverse reactions we're usually seeing are kids maybe getting sore or irritated from an adjustment, right? That's the only thing that we're seeing. Yes, there are some fluky things, right? Absolutely. So I've read about the fluky things where this, hap this bad thing happens and chiropractors aren't really uh, doing the, the, like enough uh, thorough examination and they're adjusting kids who have like some kind of tumor in their neck and do some you know, damage because of that. So yes, that happens, absolutely, right? But the thing is this, everybody makes mistakes, right? Mistakes are not something that's only a chiropractic thing. There are plenty of other professions, medical and health-related professions, who have had plenty of mistakes that have been overlooked because of poor diagnostic skills. But don't say a chiropractor shouldn't adjust a baby because there's been a couple of mistakes. Right? Because we can look at some other professions and say, well, you shouldn't be doing anything because of the volume of mistakes you're making. Right? So let's really talk about this and let's really think about this. So when we, look at, when we look at the beauty of the spine and the beauty of the nerve system and the beauty of the cranium, we have to have the utmost respect for this. And that's like the whole thing I want to talk about with you guys today is to really get the idea that there's going to be, when you guys graduate, and Amanda graduates very shortly and she's out there, she's going to have to answer to this kind of stuff. Don't take your baby to the car. Somebody's going to come up to her and say, Dr. Amanda, Look what this says. Like, what, I, I want to bring my kid, but my husband won't let me bring him. 
right? I am, I'm back and forth emailing this young lady who has a child who has really bad colic and reflux and she wants to bring the baby but the husband is against this because he says, I've read articles like this and they say don't bring them to the chiropractor because they're going to they're gonna crack their backs and hurt their necks and stuff. So I posted on my website all kinds of videos of me adjusting babies and even though he's watching, he says, the, the mom said, I don't want him, the, the dad says, I don't want you touching the child's spine. I, I don't get it. I can't figure this out. I'm really having a hard time. Like, I, I respect everybody's opinion, so there's no right or wrong, right? So I have no judgment about that. But when I think about, so instead, what I'll do is I'll put something that's meant for an adult, like Prevacid or Pepsid, I'll take an antacid, and I'll put that into a baby instead. Because what they're doing, like we just talked about with an with a adult and a child, you're not going to adjust a child like you would a little adult, right? It's not the same thing. But what do you think they do in medicine, right? There's no pediatric medicines. There are adult medicines that they cut in half. Or they, they just make it smaller. So Pepsi adult and Pepsi kids, the same thing, just a different concentration, right? It's the exact thing that Webster's told us not to do, and they're doing it, right? So that's what I want you to really think about is what we're doing, especially in pediatric chiropractic, what we're doing is something very special and very unique. And yes, there is absolutely a necessity for pediatric chiropractic. Absolutely, right? You should study it, whether it's through ICPA or some of the other organizations, or you take all three of the electives here. I don't care what it is you do. But when you, when you are working on kids, you should have the utmost confidence, not because you're so necessarily good at it when you first graduate because you're inexperienced. For the most part, you will be. But because you know that, like Sikifu said, when you put your hands on this little child, you know, you're, what you're going to do is, is you're going to help this little child get better. And not, I didn't say get rid of, right? I said get better. They're just going to improve. And the cool thing about working on the cranium, the really cool thing about working on the cranium is you're going to help them improve in even more ways than you ever imagined because we're working directly on the cranial nerves. Right, and how important are they? So I wanted to illustrate that to you and show you this kind of stuff because I think this is so super important with what's happening out there in the real world.